0: Okay, how y'all doing? So fantastic. If you're at home, they went crazy just now. Everybody's standing up and waving and celebrating. It's really fun to see. All right. Hey, it's sun shining. Crazy weather yesterday if you guys are outside, but now we're under blue skies and we get to spend some time in God's word. So let's pray. Let's open up in a word of prayer together that God would speak to us because you guys, this is hold on your hats in all seriousness. This is some of the best scripture we could go over this morning, in my opinion. Uh, in the midst of the, the breadth of the Word of God, this is fantastic because it brings so many things of the whole Bible together. So uh, get excited and let's pray together. Father, you are here in our midst. And God, you have brought us each to a place, whether we're sitting in our living room or we're here out in this parking lot. God, you have brought us a place where, where we can be refined And where we can see your hand moving in our midst, even as Joseph said earlier, Lord, that unprecedented times, Lord, you faced unprecedented times. You hit them head on. You walked right into the storm. You did your will and it was all preordained and prophesied in advance so that we could do something like today where we look at your scriptures and we see very clearly that everything, all of history itself is in the hands and control of the Almighty Father. And over that banner of history is your love. And, Lord, it is steadfast. So, God, just have our hearts this morning. Have our minds this morning. Allow us to to rejoice in, the, in what you've done on our behalf. And all of mankind would join in the eventual song around your throne that you are good, your mercy, Lord, lasts forever. So, Father, have our time this morning in your word. May you lead and guide us as we go through the psalm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, if you didn't know already, we're going through Psalm 118. 118 is, is, in a, is a part of a psalm collection of 113 through 118 that if you went into a Jewish home, even today, uh, one of the festivals that's celebrated is Passover. Y'all familiar with Passover. What is celebrated in Passover? It's a a question to everyone. What is celebrated in Passover? You have God instituting a festival that commemorated the journey of the Israelites where they had been in slavery in Egypt, of course. We're all familiar with this, I'm sure. They had been led out by Moses after a series of plagues had transformed the kingdom of Egypt. And they were eventually led out of that slavery condition. God led them out into a place... Eventually, it took them a long time to get there, but eventually into the land of blessing, land of freedom. That, that festival, Passover, is centered on one in particular animal. Everybody, what animal does the whole feast of Passover center around? The lamb. And what was done to the lamb? Was it elevated? Was it extolled? Was it, you know, adorned with lay of flowers around its neck and prayed it through? No. What was, it, what was its whole purpose it was to be slaughtered. Now, slaughter is, is an intense word, and it's for good reason. This is what happened to the lamb. This innocent, precious, perfect, without blemish or stain was taken after being brought into the household and not ordained in praise and honor. Eventually loved, yes, but then ultimately sacrificed where the blood would be spilled. And for, for us to kind of unfamiliar with that, in our culture especially, it's a, it's a pretty brutal thing. I mean, think about not just one lamb, but lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb. How much blood being spilled. Now, that's, that's a pretty intense for 930 in the morning, on a Sunday morning. But it's there for a reason. And God instituted the festival. And he did so with a distinct purpose. And we see that fulfilled in none other than Jesus Christ. In fact, when he came on the scene in his ministry when he was about 30 years old, John the Baptist had some disciples, and he had them very prepped, very well, to know who to expect and who ultimately to leave John to follow, that being the Messiah, his own cousin. And he said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it says in the Scriptures in the New Testament that they immediately left John started following Jesus. Man, that's good discipleship, isn't it? These These folks weren't stuck on John like John's everything, even though he was... A great, great prophet and was doing crazy things in the desert and baptizing people from all over the land. And, and, but he had done such a good job that his, his, his pointing, his pointing all the while was towards Jesus, the lamb that was going to come on the scene. And when he did show up and he did, they were ready. They were primed. They were like, we know where to go. We're going to follow the North Star, if you will, of our soul, which is Jesus himself. I would ask you, even this morning as we're breaking into the psalm, is Jesus your north star? Is Jesus the one who you have put first and primary and you've been prepared to follow with everything in your life so that somebody would say, there is the lamb, the lamb that was slaughtered, the lamb that took upon himself all the sin of the whole world, present, future, past. Would you say he is your North Star? He's the one you're following. He's the one that you're prepped to leave everything for. If we could be like John's disciples in leadership, we would say we have a church filled with those people. And I hope even at home, wherever you're watching, it's the same for you. You're ready to go with Jesus. It's not dependent, in other words, on any man or person. Your faith isn't built on a person. In fact, in the psalm, we're going to see how foolish it is to trust in man compared to trusting in God. Trusting in the true foundation, trusting in the cornerstone, exciting things. This is the background, because even today when you're celebrating the Passover in a Jewish home or in a messianic home that celebrates Jesus as a Passover lamb slaughtered for our benefit. These are the Psalms 113 through 118 that you sing during that festival even today. And guess what? Not only that, but Jesus himself. It says in the New Testament very clearly that when he was in the upper room with his disciples, that last night before he's he's right staring the cross in the face. It's it's the night before he's going to the cross. It's the mechanisms are in place, they're they're starting to fire, and he's celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. You all familiar with that? What he's doing is he's preparing the disciples for a new covenant. And he's saying, this is going to be a new covenant in my blood, in my blood, whose blood? The lamb, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Not year after year, because you have to do it again, because an animal could never take the place of a human, could never truly uh, pay for the penalty of sin of us people. But Jesus, as the lamb, certainly could. Why? Because he didn't deserve death. He was sinless. And as he stands in our place, as he's the one who goes before us and says, Father, Place their sin and the penalty and the wrath that they've incurred upon themselves, upon me, the Lamb of God, upon me. Just like that precious little lamb, and during the Passover, was brought in, who was without blemish. To be inspected as such. Jesus says, here, inspect me. See if there be any sin. Really. I mean, to be crucified. To me, it beckons the the impression to say, let anyone come. Let anyone come to find the mercy from God through me. And also it's saying, here am I, I'm spreading out my arms. I'm willfully obedient to the Father to let him slaughter this perfect lamb so that my people could be with their God as it was meant to be from the very beginning in Eden. Now right there, we got a lot to celebrate. Yeah? I mean, come on, guys. A lot to celebrate. Why? Because your sin, my sin, all of our sin collectively, even the evils that go on to this very day, all the atrocities of all humankind past, it can all be found merciful, forgiveness, acceptance. Even though you're guilty, you can come to the Father and find freedom, righteousness, and purity. Wonderful, wonderful. And to this day... This is a psalm every year, year after year, thousands upon thousands of homes. And Jesus Himself would, it says in the in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it says they sung a hymn. After the supper, they sung a hymn. One through thir- 13, thirteen, one thirteen psalm to the one eighteen psalm. Jesus would have sung this with his disciples. So as I read through this, I want you guys to really put yourself in that place of the upper room. And in particular, through Jesus himself who would be reading this and singing this rather with his disciples and how it reflects God's sovereignty over all of human history. Okay? So we do that with me in your Bibles? Read with me. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. And to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord. I cut them off. They surrounded me. Surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord. I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord. I cut them off. I was pushed hard. So that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord. Verse 14. Is my strength and my song. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you've answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So he repeats himself in the 29th verse after the very first verse of this psalm. So do you guys see just in reading that how much of Jesus floods your mind and your thoughts? At least it should. If you're familiar, if you've read the New Testament, the Gospels in particular, you probably have already made some pretty clear connections between the life and words and actions of Jesus, our Lord, the Lamb of God, and this psalm. Many say it's David who wrote the psalm, and they get that from Ezra, the the book of Ezra in the New Testament. See, it's not given a a title. Many of the psalms tell you right off who wrote the psalm, but in this case, it doesn't. But from the book of Ezra, we can see at the dedication of the second temple. That would have been an occasion where they referenced this to the author being David. So as David writes this, he's writing a firsthand account, right, from his life, from his heart to the Lord, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we trust. And we know all scriptures God breathed. So he's writing this, but it's being fulfilled ultimately in Christ. Ultimately, as we see the Old Testament in so many occasions, not just this one, but other places, a plenty. We see the short-term fulfillment, but we see the long-term prophetic fulfillment. And that's what gets me totally excited about the Bible is it's outside of time. And here's one of these things as we read it. I want to go over a couple things with you, and I'll I'll try and end this on on a brief note. But yet, full of truth. Let's just read, for example, the first four, four verses. There's a there's a theme to this, obviously, the first four verses. It says, in this case, in the uh, ESL, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then it says, let Israel say this, let the house of Aaron say this, let those who fear the Lord say this. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, different translations, like the New King James, for example, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Any Anybody's translation say mercy? Uh, the New Living Translation, Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. So, very similar. And so does the NIV. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. And the ESV ESV, rather, says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. I want you to know that mercy, 149 times, it's, it's translated into mercy in the Old Testament. Okay? Kindness, 40 times. Loving kindness, 30 times. Goodness, 12 times. Kindly, merciful, favor, good, goodliness, pity, reproach, and wicked thing just once. The majority of texts talk about there's a mercy component here and there's a love component here. And in, in this, we can have confidence that all of those apply. Boy, boy, God is good in his mercy. Amen? God is good in his mercy. His mercy, how long does it last? Forever. How good is his love? It is steadfast, as just sung earlier today. Steadfast. Steadfast. It's always there. It's always constant. It's never going to change. You can bank on it. It's your foundation under your feet. God's love is steadfast. It is always good, and it endures all through eternity. You will never be not accepted by Jesus if you come to him humble and in faith. He will no way turn you away ever. Some of us struggle big time with that. Oh, God, I know you would not love me after this. Fill in the blank. Oh, Lord, I know you're done with me after this. Fill in the blank. Oh, Lord, I have too much sin to bring you. You would never want someone like me. Fill in the blank. It's all not true. Because why? Because the psalmist would say, and Jesus would even sing, first of all, let's celebrate the love of God that's steadfast and endures forever. Four times. He's like, let Israel say. Israel is another way of saying the governed of God. They've given themselves to him. That's a name for Israel, his people. Let the house of Aaron. That's the people that are serving. That's the people that are serving at the temple and otherwise serving the people. let those who fear the Lord, that would be an indication of people who come and are grafted in. Not necessarily part of the the tribe of Israel or the tribes of Israel, but people who would say, God, I recognize you as the true God. So let them come. Let them all say for everyone, everywhere on the planet, God's love endures and endures forever. And it's based and it's steeped in mercy. The Lamb of God getting slain for my sin. He is merciful. He didn't impute his wrath on me. So, Calvary Slow, let Calvary Slow say, Come on, his steadfast love endures forever. Let every Christian on the planet say, Same thing, his steadfast love endures forever. Let it resonate in your heart, even right now. Just say it to yourself, say it out loud. I don't care. Lots of room outside to say something out loud if you want. This is a good time to speak in church. All right? His steadfast love endures forever. Amen and amen and amen. All right, let's move through the psalm a little bit more. Jump down to verse 6. The Lord is on my side and will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look and triumph on those who hate me. Boy, Jesus, when he looked around, around him and on the cross, these people were spiteful. They were, they were hitting him. They were mocking him. They were spitting on him. Do you know the very sponge that was offered to Jesus when he was on the cross? After he said, I thirst. The sponge that was taken, lifted up on a pole to him was actually, we were just in Israel. We got this lesson vividly because we're standing in the middle of a public toilet. and And there were these stones that came out of the walls where they would sit and relieve themselves. And they would have sponges. To clean themselves afterwards, when they held up the the the, the for him to have uh, sour wine to drink, right on the cross, that's the sponge that they believe that was lifted up to him. The ones that the very people would clean themselves with after after uh, going to the bathroom. See, they hate is a strong word, but in this case, definitely they hated the Messiah. They, they, as in we can point the finger. We, in various ways, don't show our love, but the opposite towards our Messiah all the time. We're in this group, but he's, in, he's encircled. And, it, and, and moreover, they're not just people as, a, as, as they are uh, objects of his love and his mercy, but the devil right there mocking. All the, the, the forces of evil right there mocking, right around him. He could say, they hate me. And he's singing this with his disciples. But look at verse eight and nine. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in princes. You know, refuge, all that means is that's where you flee for protection. Some people would say, I'm not a Christian. I don't go to church. I'm not part of the faith people because I am not weak and I don't need a crutch. I'm like, I know where to flee for protection. I'm not dumb. If a if a mountain's falling on your head, you're not dumb for finding somewhere safe to run. And I would say, when you realize you're guilty before God and you have sin, and one day you're going to meet him face to face and be judged for that sin, I'd much rather flee to protection in the Messiah than stand on my own and get crushed. Makes sense. So yeah, call me weak. I am weak. I know myself way too much to know I am weak and I need something way stronger than me, especially when it comes to my record. See, in Psalm 130, I believe, it says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, my past is right there. Roll the scroll. Let it flow. I'm guilty as charged. And God's been there. He knows exactly what's happened in my life. But if I'm standing on that and hoping that the balance weighs in my favor, ay not a place I want to be, not a place you want to be. Not a place you want to be. You want to be steadfast. You want to know the steadfast love, rather, of God. We all do. We all need something stronger than us. So take refuge in the Lord, not in yourself, not in anything else. He's the only one that's steadfast and strong. Verse 10, all nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Now, this is that we're going to see these things that you can apply to Jesus, but obviously you can see David in this as well because he's the one that says, I cut them off. The nations were encroaching upon uh, the nation of Israel, Jerusalem, the city, where his palace would be, all these, he says, i am cut them off. I cut them off. I cut them off. But it still applies where he says, all nations surrounded me. They surrounded me on every side. They surrounded me like bees. You guys ever get uh, attacked by bees? Not fun? (laughs) We could safely say that's not something we want, is to be attacked by bees. Why? There's so many of them. They're all around. You can't escape it. You You see this, right? Bees around you? Try and wave them off. How effective is that? Not very, right? Youngest, oldest, we know that. Don't try and do this. Just run, dive in some water or something like that, okay? Just a free tip on this Sunday. But they're like bees. That's how David's describing them. Think about Jesus looking for even, get this, you guys. Jesus looked around the survey or while he's on the cross, and he's not seeing anybody, even his closest companions through ministry. Even the people that were close to him. There was there was John with some of the women, and he's probably looking out. He's like, hey, where's Peter. Not the day to know what's going on. We read a lot about his attitudes for Peter and talk about mercy. Where, where, where's Thaddeus? Where's Matthew? Where, where's Phil in the blank? See, so we're we're he's just we're I'm surrounded by bees, and more than that, who's not here? My most confident, my biggest confidants, the people that I brought closest to me. He was felt alone is what I'm saying. And David could relate to that. Maybe many of you can right now. You feel alone. You feel isolated, especially if you're at home and you're not even able to get out of the house. You're not even comfortable walking out of the house because of this uh, environment that we have currently. The Lord knows what it's it's like to, to look around and think, I'm all alone. You're not alone. God's with you. And I speak to all of us when I say that, but especially to you that feel like, man, all I got is my four walls around me. I'm going crazy. I can't take this anymore. The Lord is with you. Steadfast all the time. Let's keep going for sake of time. He's like, I was pushed hard so that I was falling, falling. And this could be, some translations say that the enemies pushed hard against him. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. You guys, this is huge. When it says, the Lord is my strength, this is resource that is not of you. This is ref this is a place of refuge, as I just talked about. This is power for your life. It says the Lord is my strength in this life. And he is my song. He's this basically means he's my joy. He's what I get happiness from. He's the source of everything's going wrong, but I still have a, a way to be joyful and that is because i know god is with me and then finally he is my salvation he has become my salvation we put our trust for help and deliverance in him he is our rest as well as our rescue so i ask you who is the strength of your life what is the strength of your life what do you take joy in? what's your song what's first and foremost on your lips when you have an opportunity to share about why you can face trials the way you do Who has become? What has become your salvation? All these questions are pertinent. And can you imagine Jesus singing this with his disciples, knowing they're going to need every ounce of God's strength? They're going to be there without him while he's in the tomb laying there. And he's going to know very well that they're going to need God's strength, that they have to sing a song focused on God so they don't lose hope. And boy, ultimately, in him, they're going to find salvation. I just can't imagine being in that upper room singing these psalms. So do you need these? Where do you go for them? God is our true source. Amen? Okay, jumping down. Moving on. God, or excuse me, he has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand, when it's referred to, is a place of authority. It's a place of honor. It's a place of preeminence. And at the right hand sits Jesus of the Father. Right now. Right now. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And he says, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Did Jesus do valiantly? better believe it god does valiant works through his son for the purposes of blessing us undeserved people and get verse 17 i shall not die but i shall live and recount the deeds of the lord if anybody could say that obviously it would be jesus as jesus sang this song at the last supper with the disciples he could proclaim this confidently that death could no Keep no hold upon him, but that he would live and declare the works of God. He knew it. Didn't make it easier to go to the cross, but he certainly had hope through it. And I say that the same to all of us and to you at home. We may not know when or how long it's going to last, but as he does it, we know those of us in Christ will not die, but live. And it goes in with verse 18. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. That same thing. There's hope. There's hope, guys. There's hope. There's hope. It never ends. Even if you do die in the flesh, guess what? You live eternally in the presence of God Almighty who has loved you to the end and made it it possible for you to live eternally with him. You know, it says in Hebrews 12, those he loves, he disciplines. Don't forget that. Don't waste your pandemic, guys. I'm trying not to. Don't waste it. Don't go through this time of challenge, of refining, of changing your focus, of getting your attention afresh, of renewed communication with God in prayer, of reading your word to be strengthened. Don't waste it. I'm trying hard to do that myself. As I don't want to get to the end of this, I sound like John Piper, don't I? Those of you familiar with John Piper, don't waste your life. He he once said, don't waste your cancer. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to think about that for a while. What did he just say? Well, now I'm past cancer. I'm like, don't waste the pandemic. Don't waste it. Why? Because when God has your attention, he's ready to do great things in your life. doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. God wants to move and change you for the better. So you're more apt to have his strength. You're more apt to sing his song of joy. You're more apt to find him as your salvation. For purposes of time, let's jump down to verse 22. Crucial, most quoted Old Testament, I've heard commentators say in the New Testament from the Old Testament is this verse. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone. You guys, cornerstone, what's that? It's basically the stone in the corner. (laughs) But it's more than that. So much more than that. Okay? It's a strong and important statement in the New Testament. Jesus quoted this of himself in Matthew 21. Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 20. Peter quoted it in reference to Jesus in Acts chapter 4. Paul uh, referenced this in Ephesians 2.20. And Peter referenced it in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 7 and 8. All talking about Jesus being our cornerstone. The one who the whole building of the church, his people is founded on, kept strong by, and built upon correctly. Jesus is our chief's cornerstone. And originally, what was he on the cross for? Because he was being rejected. You are not the Messiah. In fact, you're blasphemous, Jesus. We're, you deserve death. That's why he was on the cross. It's because he blasphemed. Don't miss that. He was saying, I am. That'll get you severely chastised. Okay? If you're not God and you say, I'm God, in essence, you're going to go, you're going to pay for that. And he did. He laid down his life because of it. But here's the thing. The rejection was prophesied in this psalm in the context of what? Jews seeing it during the Passover where the one rejected ultimately the lamb was going to ultimately take the sins of the world in victory. The ones that the builders themselves rejected as the main stone. Anybody been to Israel and checked out some of the stones at the temple mount? It's unbelievable how big these are. I mean, I, I would uh, – you could park – I don't know what you could park on there. Probably a pretty big plane. I'm, I'm guessing. You can tell. I didn't research the specifics on what you could park on one of those stones. But I'm talking about – I mean, from where I'm standing all the way – you can't see this at home. But all the way to the building at at maybe – I mean, farther than that, actually, as wide as, I don't know, halfway down the, the parking lot here, four, five, six parking spaces, one stone. It's, you just look at this thing. You put your hand on it because you can and, and, and it's like, this is just mammoth. And, and, and you can see the corners of the Temple Mount. And you think, the stone, that eh, that's not good enough. It doesn't meet the qualifications. It, it, it doesn't fall uh, sure. It's not going to support what it is. It's like, no, the builders rejected it. But what? It's become the chief cornerstone, which everything in the church is supported and strengthened. And your life, as part of the church, we're living stones, you guys. We're part of the living church. We're founded, we're grafted, we're held firm in the chief cornerstone forever and ever. never going to get away from Jesus being the chief cornerstone. It's wonderful. It's all prophetic. Last couple things. I'm sorry. I'm going over a little bit. I'm probably a few minutes over, but I just wanted to say, when it says, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, or save us, rather, we pray, O Lord. This is a reference, in, including verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's all seen as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on, a, on the colt, right? He comes in, and the people are laying palm branches before him, and they're saying, Hosanna, which this psalmist is saying, save us, please, in the future. When they were throwing their cloaks down and, and, and shouting Hosanna in the highest to Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem. They're saying now is the time to save. Save now. So this psalm written by David 100 years before is saying, save eventually, God. When Jesus is writing in Jerusalem, they're saying, you are the Messiah. You're the one that's blessed to come in the name of the Lord. Save us now. Isn't that insane? Just thinking about it. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He's made this light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords. He was coming to let himself be bound as a sacrifice and ultimately could say with his disciples unequivocally, which we can join into, especially knowing all of this about our Messiah. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His steadfast love endures forever. So would you guys just take a second and just stand with me? Can we give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his works? That are so mighty and go so beyond time and are so prophetic fulfilling and 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 all these things and give him our hearts afresh this morning. Thank you for your attention this morning. I know I'm a little excited because the psalm is awesome. But uh but I, I really do implore all of us to lean upon the chief cornerstone, to make him the foundation that does not sway, even in the craziest of times like we're in. So let's pray right now. And then these guys will just lead us in a refrain and we'll close. Father God, how thankful we are that your plan includes mercy. That your plan for all of my, mankind is to forgive. To give every person, no matter how young or how old, an opportunity to be cleansed in the blood of the lamb. For all eternity to be able to say, I can enter the gates as someone who's been made righteous. Lord, we, we glory in you. We, we honor you today. We acknowledge that, Jesus, you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day you will come again, and you will make everything right according to your will. And, God, we just want to honor you this morning and just say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what only you can do and saving us for yourself. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody who's even doubting for a second, even after reading this psalm and hearing these words, that doubts your love for them, would you correct it? Would you remind them that they're not too far gone, that we might be able to rejoice in your steadfast love through all seasons?